Let's do it live, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go into the let's go into the James Thurber basement, where a man once said, "There's no safety in numbers or in anything else," and he could not have been any more right. How are you, pal? How are you now? You're not in the basement because you're way high up. Uh, I'm in the penthouse. He's in the penthouse. Is that the same as being in the basement? Uh, well, you tell me. <laughs> uh, no. Robin and no. I have been in the penthouse with the doggos up there. What's the view yeah. like? It's spectacular. Yeah. It's real. It, it's spectacular, and it's, and goodness sakes, I'm glad to report it's mostly empty, and the few violators that we have in the, I can see about 60 square blocks worth of Central Park, and I would say there are 50 people walking in it, and probably 100 people on bikes and other devices. Bicyclists mm. are a law unto themselves in the city, and they will not be stopped by anything. Now, so what about the there. horses? Now, obviously, since the tourism has been stopped, yeah. they're not allowed to put the horses and the carriages going through Central Park, are they? Correct. Correct. There are, there are about three or four positive things in this whole equation, and that's one of them. The horse carriages are, are, uh, are done for the duration. And the horse and poop the is too, but they, you know, at least they're well, pooping yeah. in their stalls and stuff. Yeah, and the pe- and the pedicabs too. These, you know, it's like the, the tourists who pile into a bicycle with a rickshaw attachment in the back. Yes, and then get and then get pedaled through the streets of New York and have this illusion that they're not about to be killed by oncoming traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are also, I never, I never see them without thinking, "What are you people thinking is going to protect you?" That thing of cellophane that is over the top of it. I mean, this, guy gets, this guy gets hit by, this guy gets hit by a, another bicyclist, and you're all going to be in one pile with a wheel sticking out. I'm mean, I don't understand this. So, as I said, there are very few positives to this, obviously. I don't have to tell anybody that. But in the city, no horse caps, no pedicabs. Of course, I don't really know this firsthand. I mean, i got a big balcony, which has suddenly become the envy of everybody I know on the planet. So I can go outside without leaving the building, and I haven't left the building in two weeks. Now, That's what do you do with the doggies, though? I mean, you usually take them out and walk them out there at Central Park yeah, West. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, they miss that, and so do I. The good thing is there's been very little good weather until the last couple of days, and we go out on the balcony for about an hour, hour and a half a day, and they, uh, they're fine with that. They, they relieve themselves indoors. In the uh, in the pad, they you know the, the 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 place that has been provided for the purpose, they've been trained to do that. Mm. And the walks are really just for the walks are for me as much as for the dogs. Now so, I'm surprised you, know, they, you didn't go out and get know, some of the actual turf from Yankee Stadium or out at City Field and actually put a grass field on your ba- balcony so the dogs can go out and enjoy the real feel of baseball that that the smell of the freshly cut grass in Central Park. You know, um, as the as the guy who who used to take me uh, often against my will, technically it was kidnapping to the Home Depot in Southington, Connecticut. You need some filters, pal, and we exactly. go in to buy ten one dollar air conditioner filters because Tony would come over to my house and would you know check the the, the HVAC system first, like exactly. like he was one, one one of the like one of the contractors my dad, the architect, used to work with. He was like, how's your how's your electrical grid? You know, and one day we go in there, and I wind up buying a new garbage disposal for my kitchen. I walked out of there with what? How much? We st- I spent two hundred fifty dollars, and the goal was ten dollars worth of stuff. And half an hour later, we come out of there with two carts in the back of your car 
Oh, don't, don't worry, pal. I'll put it in. And it's like, you know, it's like a nuclear. you need a nuclear reactor in your house. <laughs> how am I going to... How am I going to... I can't make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without causing a grease fire. How am I going to plant grass? Oh, by the way, most of the balcony is because of the structure of the city. Most of the front balcony, which overlooks the park, has no... Um, no direct sunlight. It only has an angled sunlight. So I don't know where I'd grow it anyway. It would die in a matter of minutes. Well, that's know? true. And those buildings down there, those those gigantic buildings they're building all along that area. Yep. They're yep. the yep. highest buildings now. I mean, it's incredible, the architecture yep. that they're putting there on that side up uh, yep. near Central Park. They're all crap. I mean, talk <laughs> about it. I mean, it, you're right. It's incredible architecture. And the interesting thing about this is um, I was priced out of this neighborhood Back at the max, my maximum earning level was about 2007, 2008, and I was priced out of this neighborhood because it was it went so crazy around Central Park because, of course, it's gorgeous and there are trees and it looks like life. It's not just a bunch of buildings, but um, it, all the buildings that they built, including a 90-story building that they're building where my last home used to be before they knocked it down and kicked everybody out, uh, these are all owned. Every apartment is owned. But nobody lives there. So they, just to make some money back towards the mortgage, everybody rents or rents out these apartments because they don't live there. They're just foreign investors. So rental prices in the priciest neighborhoods, if you, if you can spend some money on a place to live, the rental prices are less than they were 15 years ago. It's amazing because there's all this empty space. And it's all owned. And people are just trying to say, well, you know, what's the difference if I make $100 a month back full from it or $4,000? It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm making something. So this is, uh, it, it's really crazy, the, the, the law unintended consequences. By the way, when you launch this new show, is it supposed to be a sports show? Because I noticed we haven't talked anything about We're going to talk sports. We've got to catch up. Right. we got to kibitz and schmooze and uh, whatever else we have to do. There are no sports. Yeah, what sports are we talking about? We're going to get to baseball because I want to get to this the latest yeah. MLB thing because you are, yeah. you are the baseball savant. Of all the people I know, there's a lot of great baseball minds, but nobody that I've ever met has the baseball encyclopedia knowledge built within the noggin that you do, right. my friend. And so <laughs> yes, l- l- let's get to the latest thing now that we've covered all the home improvements and the grass and the dogs and Central Park and the buildings and the rent control and all the other stuff. Right. Is now, do you like this uh, proposed idea? Now, I know they walked it back a little bit because uh, yesterday ESPN, where you work, was talking yes, about sir. Arizona only. Everybody's going to yeah. go to Arizona all the teams are going to play there, obviously, in the major, in the big ballpark, and then at Tempe, the Oblos Stadium, and all the other spring training facilities, and oh God, play not, all their games there, right? Do you not, think that's not, going to happen? Not Tempe, the Oblos Stadium, please. Why uh, not? There's, well, it's not as nice. There's, a, there's, a, there's like six Arizona Cactus League ballparks that are nicer than, than ballparks in the majors. Like the one in Glendale that the Dodgers and the White Sox yep. use that is this with the shingles, the light brown shingles, that's gorgeous. There'll be a 50,000-seat stadium like that somewhere. I'll go to every one of the games they play there. Or the, uh, the one at Salt River that with the high, uh, really high light towers and, the, and sort of the pretend second deck that looks like Wrigley Field from the, the Los Angeles version of Wrigley Field. Gorgeous thing. No, I know. I just wanted to say, Tempe Diablo Stadium. I'll do a little Harry Callis for you. Yeah, I'll, and I'll do Bob Starr, who used to do the Angels games from the, from that that uh, part of the woods and would always say, have a hard, uh, hard hit ball. This is well struck. And so we used to call him. Yeah, 
the game will be brought to you, uh, color announcer Joe Torrey, along with play-by-play man Well Struck, will bring you the uh, Angels today on Channel 5. Stay tuned, Los Angeles. Here's the thing. Listen, uh, there would be if you if if a if a buzzer rang on my phone right now and said all clear, uh, 100% cure that doubles as a vaccine, everybody's fine. We're administering it. Opening day is tomorrow. I would I would you know, dress up in a uniform and go to wherever the game is being played. Do not misunderstand my point of view of this. But if there's any baseball season at all anywhere in this country this year, I will be very, very, very pleasantly surprised. It's not possible. And the idea that you play the games in Arizona because there has not been a New York City-style decimation of the population yet in Arizona neglects that word yet. I mean, why? Where? Where is it? Where is it written that Arizona will not be touched by this? Um, we're getting. I mean, there, there are new reports in here just today about people who had this and have then been cleared. No more symptoms. No more evidence of the of the disease. And then they go back for follow up, and it's in their system again, which either means it lingers or you can get it twice. And they're not necessarily symptomatic. The second time, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that. So if you get it, you get sick. You don't get sick a second time, but you can get the disease a second time, which is a process of immunity. But what if the people who get it once and recover can still transmit it? There's no way to be sure at this point. This is a five-month-old disease. So any idea that includes, well, we, we have this area of the country that has not yet been affected and apparently is going to get through it okay, we don't have any idea yet. To me, if you look at this, and I look at the other cities being right here in the core of this thing, with, you know, two of the hospitals that are overloaded are within walking distance of my home, and I've been to both of them, and they are great facilities, and the people there are dying, literally. The idea that this isn't going to happen everywhere else is nonsensical. Maybe it won't, but it'll be really lucky if it doesn't. It would be really unbelievably lucky if it doesn't. And the idea that also, then these logistics, you're saying, okay, Mike Trout, I would like you to bet your life that that 1,500 tests of players and the staff that would be necessary to go into this imaginary bubble, we're going to ask you to literally bet your life that all 1,500 are exactly right, that there's not one mistake in there and there's not one false negative and that the you know everybody who gets into the bubble is clear of the disease and that nobody who's in that bubble then sneaks out for a burger, you know, on the way to the ballpark or after they're locked into the hotel. These are, and this is the thing that I saw first and said, well, okay, you're going to have the ball players who are only going to travel from the hotel to the field. And I'm like, name me one ball player of whom that has ever been true. Exactly. They, the point of being a ball player is to go into some place and go, hey, I'm a ball I'm, player. I'm, I'm with the Phillies. Give me a beer. You know, it's that, it's just that simple. And where this comes from, I, 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 Lord, I wish it were true. If they said, listen, we found a, a series of uh, apartment complexes in, in uh, Nutley, New Jersey, where we could play safely, let's, let's do it. I'm all for it, but it just it makes no sense. And it derives from the idea that I think all the commissioners in all the sports and everybody else who's involved in the sports business is my age, our age, Tony, or younger. And they have never really been in a business in which, you know, there hasn't been money coming in. They don't, I mean, you know, if you think of the Yankees, the Steinbrenner boys 
were both in college. I think one was in B school and one was in, in undergrad. The last time the Yankees did not draw an average of whatever, 45,000 at least. They don't know what it's like when people don't give them money. And there is, there is a, a fever of a different kind inside the league offices in all sports and in all colleges in which people are saying, well, there's got to be a way around this. We've got to find somewhere where we can make some income because we're Major League Baseball and we have to exist next year. You know, and nobody, nobody remembers because they don't, they don't think a lot about things like this, but it's a year, I think a year to the day since the, what, the Alliance of American Football just vanished, went out of business. And, you know, before that, teams in Major League Sports just don't go away anymore. I guess the last one remains the, the, the Cleveland Barons in the NHL who were merged into the Minnesota North Stars, who then moved 10 years later. But they, you know, the, the, the starting point is Rob Manfred and even Adam Silver and certainly Goodell, they have no, no frame of reference for what do you mean we're not going to make money? You know, what, are, what do you mean we're going to lose money on our team? That's not allowed. Hey, man, which one of the dogs that? is barking now, Keith? Does your dog not realize? I know there's two of them. Which one's the yapper? There's three of them. You have three dogs now? Oh, you don't understand. Yeah, I, I took one in, a, a little little guy who was a hospital. Uh, he wasn't supposed to make it past 10 months. And uh, I took him in because he's the same breed, and the, the rescue association said, you know how to deal with them. You live across in the park. He'll have a little family before he goes. He had a bad heart. I took him over, and we had surgery, and he's fine. He's, now he just celebrated his second birthday, and his biggest uh, medical issue is he has a little waxy buildup in one ear which is an improvement. The original diagnosis was dead, and it's improved to waxy buildup. So I'll take that anytime. Well, no one. I want to say this, because you know my son, my middle son, Chris, is has a yeah. senior dog haven down in, in Delaware, and he's got 16 mm-hmm. dogs in his house and five cats, and he rescues the, the dogs that nobody wants. You know, the ones mm-hmm. missing a leg, the ones who have mm-hmm. an eyeball that has to be removed because it's cancerous. Yep. And so those well, are the real sad. But you've done more than anybody I know on, on your Twitter feed in trying to get these dogs saved by posting almost every single day about rescue animals that need to be saved. Well, thanks. I think, I think your son has done much more practically, but I'm doing what I can because, of course, the irony is, as you know, other than the hypoallergenic breed, I'm allergic to dogs. And I mean profoundly, I stop breathing in half an hour in the presence of a nice Great Dane. And I love all dogs, but it's only the hypoallergenic ones that I can live with. So this is the only thing I can do for what are usually pits or, or, or pit mixes or such who are on death row uh, in the New York uh, system. And happily, the nice thing about the others, I've said there's so few positive things here. In, the, in that little world, they're down to, the New York City shelters are down to um, something like seven or eight dogs that they're hoping to get out. And they're not even saying we, we, we're going to kill them if we don't get them out of here in a week. They're down to seven or eight dogs where they're saying, look, these, these guys are, are not doing well. We, we need to get them out soon. Can you try to push them for it? So that's one of the other things. That, I mean, the, the number of fosters who have gone in and said, look, I'm going to be locked in a house for who knows how long. Why don't I bring a dog with me? It solved a problem, which is, which is great in its own course. But, yeah, they all three of them bark uh, to different degrees. So well, I was going to ask Keith if he Q-tips that ear. Is that his job every couple of days to, for the dog? I check it. I check it. Normally, the, it's a it's a problem solved by the groomer every three four weeks when when they got to get uh, washed and cut. But um, this is now going to become my issue because obviously the groomer's not stopping by in the 
I have gotten. I've ordered my uh, my dog grooming scissors, and we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> now that should be, that should be live on Instagram. Oh yeah, you got to do something. that live. I mean, come on, you got to do that live on Instagram. Or now, where are you doing your feeds every single night? Uh, yeah. About uh, with with your with your readings from James Thurber. Yeah, I do that on Twitter. I mean, it's the the uh, in the waning days of my newscast in the uh, 2010 and 11. After I did this for my dad when he was uh, in ICU for six months. I used to read him James Thurber stories. He said, you should do this on TV. And I said, it's a newscast, and it's a political commentary show. Why should I do this? And he said, well, just, uh, you know, just do it for once. How often do I tell you what to do on the air? And it often, I used to do it Friday night at the end of the show, and it was like the highest rated segment of the, of the week, or at least of Fridays, uh, on the whole network. So with everybody having this time on their hands and, I was going to reread the entire James Thurber literary canon. I thought, oh, I like to read aloud. And people apparently liked me reading aloud. So every night at 8 o'clock, I go on Twitter and spend somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes reading two or three of James Thurber's stories just for the hell of it. It's not sponsored. I don't get any money out of it. Um, but it's, you know, it puts a nice little structure to the day. And uh, you get, you know, with the replays and the live uh, people who, who look at look at it uh, via Periscope on Twitter, um, you know, like thirty thirty five thousand people see it, so it's it's worth my time, and apparently it's worth there. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock at Eastern Time on Twitter. Yeah. On Twitter at live. Keith. Yes, at Keith Olbermann, uh, live and in color. Now you don't break into a Bob Mennery play by play though. We had him on yesterday. <laughs> Have you heard his stuff? He's great. The guy who does the no. old Ron Radio guys, he does all, he takes all of these videos, including rats fighting, and he does the old, oh, look at that rat, look at the left there, and he's doing the, uh, it's Down fu- goes rat. Yeah, no, it's, he does a little blue, too. Yeah, he yeah, goes yeah. blue, he yeah. uses profanity, which, as oh, you know, right, Keith, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't gauge in that, in that kind of behavior. This is a literal fact. We worked together first 39 years ago, like next month, we worked together, and for, a year and a half, Tony and I spent about eight hours Saturday and eight hours on Sunday. I think that's right. Uh, and I was 22 years old. And I, and honestly, I learned swear words that I'd never heard before at the age of 22, which is really old to learn new swear words. And certainly <laughs> swear words in combination that I'd never heard before. I mean, there's standard classic combinations of obscenities that we've all heard. But I heard ones that I'd never imagined were possible. And let's, I remember sitting and just looking at you, and I sort of drifting off into the sky outside 1440 Broadway in New York, looking, what would that look like that he just said? And trying to imagine these things. So when you say you don't use swear words, you mean you don't use them 100% of the time. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Is this like Italian swear words, too? No, no, no. No, 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 just English. And some, some said a swear, my God, is it unbelievable? And there's two of us in a large office. Creative? Yes, very yeah. creative swear words. Yes, what I'm saying, but these compound swear words, with the, that's the genius there in, inside Tony that often comes out whether he intends it to or not. So, you know, it's, it's a creative creative genius. I've always said that. Well, thank you, Keith. You know, our, our respect. I mean, we, how many people have been friends for 40 years anymore in this world? How many I people mean, have known somebody for 40 years? Well, particularly for you and me. I mean, how many people could stand either one of us for that period of time? <laughs> 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 I 
By the way, I just saw that ESPN is launching a digital-only pregame show for the classic yeah. MLB games. Are you going to be involved in that? Because I know you're back at ESPN. You're doing SportsCenter. What's going on with that? Well, I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little hindered here because they've shut the New York studios down. So I don't think that that, uh, that was the first thing that sort of cut me out of the equation. Plus, there are, you know, I, I'm among the baseball announcers and the studio guys for baseball, I was probably like 11th or 12th in the depth chart last year. Not, I don't think it's a question of, of talent, but more of experience and the fact that these guys have, you know, done you know, all the grunt work games over the last few years. So I don't think I'm one of the first choices for that. So I'm just uh, I, I'm I'm delighted they're going to do that. Uh, I I I don't know how you feel about that. I think it's I feel a little sorry for people who are sort of stuck trying to do that. Just just throw the old game on, and if you want to have a watch party or something during it, where you take a sixty seconds somewhere and go, did you see this? Let me see. Let's play this again. How we haven't seen that since this game was live in 1987 or whatever. That might be fun. But to go do the whole you know, the whole setup beforehand is like, ooh, it's that bad, is it? Well, I don't know. I don't know that I'd necessarily be the right guy. Plus, this is, you know, with all these old games coming back, this actually happened two weeks ago, I guess, or a week and a half ago. Um, dozing while MLB Network is playing the old World Series games. And I hear, in my sort of half-sleep, I hear Bob Costas say, and Keith Olbermann is standing by with Mike Hargrove. <laughs> and I just, I shot up off the couch like, oh, Bob, here's my, like, oh, God, it's the 1997 World Series. I mean, it's, it's, it was 20, you know, 22 and a half years ago. So the, there's a little danger now when they're playing classic games and you, you're, you're in the broadcast, which is a real sense of attending your own funeral, you know. I mean, it's really, it's really strange when you don't know that's happening. But uh, I, don't, I mean, just you play the old games. It's, it's a good, it's a good distraction. Plus, we got you know the uh, the Taiwanese baseball season opens Saturday, mm-hmm. so for their league, they're going to be playing. And uh, the only thing I know about the Taiwanese baseball season is the president of Taiwan went to went to Cornell with me. He was in school with me at the same time with Rob Manfred and Bill Maher and Bill Nye. Wow, I did uh, not wow. know. I did not know that. Yes, I Bill Maher and I almost had a fist fight in 1978. That I'll tell you something. Can you do that now? I would like to see that. Pay for that on pay per view. Was that better than Jim Everett and Jim Rome? Um. Well, no, no, because it wasn't. It wasn't staged. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Keith, we got to run, man. But it's always great catching up with you, my friend. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you soon. We'll we'll come back up to. to Central Park when it's open again and walk around with the doggies. Yeah, we'll see you next year, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Thanks a lot, Keith. There he is. James Thurber tonight, 8 o'clock. If you want to be entertained, amused, enlightened, and all the other things that we do in this medium.